that could be another like you can cultural victory can have so many different aspects to it. Civ, that you can, yeah, it, it, it Civ is, doesn't even explore language. And it's a great example of the culture and how um, lang- when language is mixed together, uh, that's when the culture is mixed together. But sometimes languages become dominant and it's just and they supplement and they take over. Welcome to another episode of the Civ Show Podcast, where we suck so you don't have to. I'm your host, Moisos. Raising Zozo. And Nystagmus. And we have a lot of things to talk about today. One of them being the peppermint butler pummeling, as I like to call it. You can call it pounding, pummeling, beat down, whatever, man. It was an absolute massacre. Was Again. anybody really surprised by that? No, outcome? no. Like, On a huge map, and we're all far apart. No one's going to war. You know, you were close to PV. You could have went to I, war with him. I was close. I, you know, I was too far from anyone else, and I just I messed up Spain so bad. Um, just oh, choosing. Hi. I chose the wrong everything and like like you not feel so about, did you get work ethic i did not get work ethic <laughs> as you know well uh but like even that like i i i went and took um the desert thing aurora or whatever not aurora the the desert, uh, folklore. desert folklore yeah and i got yeah i got my religion but unfortunately i got it three turns late because of a dang barbarian scout that came out of nowhere and uh, I like I needed one turn to build it. I was I was one turn away from getting my faith. So I would have gotten it had it not been for that dang uh, thing. And then, yeah, losing work ethic. That was huge. So that sucked big time. I was I had like plus 12 bonuses in some places. You had some massive holy sites. They were next to ley lines. They were surrounded by desert. Man, it was crazy. I, I went for the Hermetic Order thinking all right, let's do this. I'll get it. I'll get the, and no, it, it was not to be. So had I gone, cause I was Spain. If I had gone, I was Spain in Northern Africa is where I started. Um, if I had gone for the Owls of Minerva, I think it would have been a very different game. My trade routes were insane. Absolutely well, insane. You're Spain. The, the new, the new Spain <laughs> will have some insane trade routes. They, yeah. That, that yeah. is their thing. What, what were the numbers like for those? It was, they were beautiful. They were like 20, 27, like, like they were even early in the game. They were like 12, 16. Um, and I, I starting in, in Northern um, Africa, I'm right beside Europe. I'm right beside Asia. There were like five city states all around me. I think I would have done way better not worrying about religion. Like sure, I might've gotten it, but it wouldn't have been a critical part of the strategy and just gone lots and lots of trade. But no, I tried the religion and then I, I messed it up big. And, and so I ended up having this like motley, like this total mix of abilities that did not flow well together. So I was not going after PB. There's no way I was going after PB. If I had got <laughs> though, maybe if I had got the work ethic, because I would my cities would have been crazy production, right? Uh, maybe. But anyways, why didn't you guys attack him? Uh, oh, Nastagmus, what were you doing over there in South America? I don't know. Oh my I'm god, no my production, even though I got work ethic, my production was god awful. 
for like half my that makes it that makes it even worse <laughs> that makes it even worse you didn't even need it <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't even need it and you took it because you because well, you heard I I took desert to, folklore i had to use stonehenge to steal the religions my it's the it's the nystagmus move Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right at the moment when you're, it's best when you're like one turn away from getting the religion before I do. That's when it's the best. I didn't really have a strategy. I don't really play. I was a Mapuche, so I don't. I've never played them before ever. So I was just kind of discombobulated, and then I wasn't even near anybody. So I was like, okay, well, even like one of their good abilities, which is like that ability, like you know, when the other side's a golden age. If I was beside PB, I'd be like, yeah, PB's gonna be the golden age like every age. So. That would really work in my favor, right? But I wasn't even beside him. So, and then uh, I gave up when I saw him come forward with like uh, coal powered ships, and my uh, people were still paddling with their ships uh, right next to it. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm probably uh, behind in the science race, I think. Um, probably. I, I think I just I didn't expand enough because my cities were struggling with production. I had a couple hurricanes like come by and, and mess me up a little bit. So, but yeah, generally speaking, uh, uh, was was not a good game for me. <laughs> you also didn't really have a close neighbor. Your closest neighbor is Greece in North America, right? You had to go all the way up to North and they America had like, in order to kill them. And they had like the most impossible choke point to get past. <laughs> yeah, Central America, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you, you, you did not have a, a good game then. No. I never have a good game, but that was an especially bad game for me. <laughs> like playing on a huge map is always difficult. And then like, I like where I started. Don't get me wrong. I love North Africa's great, but yeah, like huge map. PB's your opponent and like, he has no one opposing him. And he's just like tucked away in Southern Africa and just like, and he's like, he had like seven cities and like, they were all like just the most amazingly built, perfectly compact Everything flowing amazingly, you know, how like his what, what was his stats like first hundred turns? He got to like he won on turn 107. You know that, right? He was on. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> turn 103. No, I didn't realize it was that early. Uh, yeah. And, and he, he had 600 had, culture and like 500 science on turn 103. Yeah. Ridiculous. What the hell is that guy on? This is on another level. Well, man. we're going to show him next week, guys. It's going to be all three of us against him. Yeah. We're going to show him next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to show him. He's going he's gonna to see how we can use our Civ math and, and, and win the day. That's what's going to happen. I think he's going to kick our butts, to be, to be completely. <laughs> Maybe. But I, I played Maya last week, and I started in... The Mediterranean, like where Phoenicia would be, uh, it's like Middle East-ish area, and I thought I had a really good game. Like I was killing it. I had so much science. I was throughout the game. I was keeping up with PB, even beating him in science. I'm like, yeah, dude, this I'm doing amazing. Like I have like a hundred science on turn fifty. This is great. This is an amazing game. Oh, I have like two hundred science on turn seventy-five. This is amazing. This is great. And then a PB has like. 500 science on turn 80 and i'm like what in the world is this guy doing and and he was playing georgia georgia and he murdered us all let's just let's just really sink that in okay debatably one of the worst sieves in the game even after the change people don't like her change right debatably one of the worst sieves in the game 
And he showed us up with 600 culture, 500 science, like 500 faith per turn as well, and like 600 gold per turn on turn 100. What? It, it, <laughs> it, it was it was pretty. It was pretty sad. Um, it was and, and it's like it's always it's always the problem when playing the you know players like PB or um, on spot is they're just so much better than you and you don't know what they're doing. You know, I get frustrated sometimes when I'm like, oh, boy, what math are you doing here to me? But these guys are like, like, yeah, like that was like, like quintuple like seven times us. Like, like, I think I, I got my science up to, I think, 70. And I was happy. I was like, oh, man, I got my science. I'm a minute more. I got my science way up. It didn't matter. Uh, and his culture was just ridiculous. Like. Like what, when he, when he, when he, when we finished the game, did, did he say he had mobilization? Did he say he had democracy? Like he yeah, was that, he, he was, was, that far, he was right? in democracy. Yeah. 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 He like just got it. So like, I, I still think like, even if this next game, are we, are we talking about this next game? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So it. the next game, the, the idea is we're just going to outright be th it's th us three versus you. Uh, and it's just that PB simple. versus we're, PB. Just to, PB, just to be clear. we're coming for you. Okay, Peppermint Butler, we're coming for you. Now, I think we're going to let him choose our sieves, right? Something along those lines. Or what I'd like to do is actually that he can choose three sieves for us each, and then we get to choose one of them from, from those. I like, I like that idea. Okay. Um, yeah. But I still don't think it'll be enough. Now, we'll see. Like, I, 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 I do theorize that with some of these players, these players... If you attack them right away, they're in trouble. They need to have that, um, you know, to, to do their hijinks, they need to have that their their perfect system goes uninterrupted. And uh, so that's my theory. So maybe... He did say that, but then at the same time, his warfare is also incredibly good, as we saw with Byzantium. But his early warfare, we don't know his early we warfare. We don't know. Right? Yeah, early no warfare, idea. we don't know. Like, if, if if he knows, if he's got the Civ Math gods are on his side, so he knows exactly what to build and where, but if that gets disrupted early on, and then maybe we'll learn a lesson, and maybe the lesson is we got to attack these guys, like, right away. We have They have to be put in their place. You know, like, even um, the game we had a couple weeks ago with Carl and uh, Van, Van Bradley. Bradley. Yeah. Van Bradley, I attacked him quickly and that threw him off. It threw off his game and I, and he wasn't able to fully recover from that. Right. Like eventually he did like come at me. Oh, um, right. Yeah. You right? kill, you murdered but him. I murdered oh, him. Geez. I murdered yeah, 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 him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I murdered him. So, King Arthur, another King, King Arthur, Arthur shenanigan. Jesus Christ. With, with King, King Arthur, Arthur man. Yeah. Good, good hero. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Well, the other strategy that one of us could do is we could do the sacrifice play. One person gets in an IRL war, just like constant war with PB, other two yeah, sim. Yeah, and the other two just <laughs> sim, right? Like that 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 way, like, because if all of his production is going towards units and you guys are in the other unit, people are free to like just put their production towards something useful, then that should theoretically allow one of you to like reach out for a culture victory or a science victory or something like that. Well, just make sure that Zoe is not the one going for the culture victory because I don't <laughs> he doesn't understand. It. Whatever, I'm I understand it. I'm getting it. Okay, I'm playing this Canada game. I'm getting yeah, it. Yeah, you need a culture victory as Canada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gotta, Canada gotta have build, a culture victory. Build theater squares, then build hockey rinks, make national parks. The question mark, question mark, question mark, profit. 
culture victory. Yeah, culture victory. Uh, like I'm in, I'm in third place, but I just got hockey rinks, and I am three turns from conservation, which will get me my Mounties and national parks. I don't know. I'm confident. Like I, I like. I think the Canada Canadian improvement is significant. I was about to ask that. Yeah, how's the new Canada? How do you feel? I I think that their cities can now grow large and have an amazing production. And as a culture sieve, you need to have lots of production. And I like. I just say that, you need lots of production for whatever you're going for. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, I, true. Like every victory condition needs uh, needs production, but like the Canadian a number of production, I think it makes them very versatile. Space and diplomacy are there too. I actually think Canada could 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 rock some domination. Really? Yeah. Well, especially against the AI, because the AI does not declare war on Canada. I have never playing Canada. I've never had the AI declare war on me. I've never had them denounce me. I don't even know if they know how. To be completely honest, uh, which <laughs> they know allow- how to denounce. They've denounced before. I not me and not when I'm Canada. Not, I have I not yeah, been not denounced. Just, uh, in yeah, my game, Canada's my Diplo victory game, I think Russia declared war on me at one point. To be fair, though, I was trying to convert his holy city like off the bat. Like, well, <laughs> like I moved, all, I moved all I my mean, missionaries there and I tried to convert his holy city like immediately. <laughs> Got pretty much that'll, about that'll it. do it. That, that'll piss that'll off Russia. <laughs> the new Canadian abilities, man, they're good. Like, I would debate. I know we don't like talking about tears and everything like that, but like, no, Zoe they used like to be tears. like, I was fine with the tears. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. This is the Moy tier list. Maybe I'll release one one day because I think Bose and PB just released one. So like, damn, I gotta hop on board. Um, I used to put them at like C tier, Canada, maybe even D tier. Like they're bad. Like they were not good until like way too late. Right now, with them being able to build farms on Tundra, and it's like you get four food out of it right food. away, yeah. and you get four production out of a mine too. Like, wow, they are so 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 good. And I would say that they're at least up to like an A tier, like at least A tier. And that was the issue before with them. It's like, yeah, great. You have the production, but your cities are sm- so small, right? So you're not, you're not working. You're not able to work these fields um, unless you have kind of like a half and half city where part of it's, you know, nice and arable. The other part's not. And Sharkster, I do know Canada's abilities. Okay. And cannot be surprised war. The computer has to denounce you in order to get that. And I just find as Canada, they never denounce me. I'm just saying, that's been my experience. Okay, I know I know their who, abilities. Because who picks a fight with Canada? You don't. It's, it's, it's Canada. I mean, like, why do you fight Canada for? <laughs> when, you play, when you play against Canada, like, I don't like having them as an opponent. I find them, they're like Zerglings. Like, they're just everywhere. They just... They just grow very quickly. Like I find that they're expansionistic. They build lots of cities. And that's been my experience when they're the opponent, which is just really annoying. They also you get know, mad at you for like every little thing, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So Wilfred Laurier just comes up. He's like frowning at you. <laughs> always frowning. It's always say, upset sorry. about something. You say, I'm sorry. He's like, ah, uh-uh. in English and in French. And he's, in French. He just scowls uh-uh. at you, basically. Anglais et Francais. <laughs> That just reminds me of the movie Canadian Bacon. <laughs> Canadian Bacon. That's a great movie. Moy, you ever seen Canadian Bacon? I've no, never even heard of this oh, movie. So just a s- small tangent. I know we're ta- supposed to be talking about Civ, but in Canadian Bacon, <laughs> the, the United States tries to start a cold war with Canada and starts saying that like Canada is like evil and stuff like that. So a bunch of people for, who live in Buffalo 
decide to try to like war with Canada and cross into the border. And um, one of them gets arrested. So the other guys try to mount a rescue mission. And so they're driving around in a truck that they spray painted like die Canucks, die Canada sucks. And then a cop pulls them (laughs) over and it's Dan Aykroyd. And Dan Aykroyd pulls him out of the car and he's like, so what is wrong with this sign right here? And it's like all this like horrible things about Canada. Like, uh, we're not sure. He's like, you forgot. You forgot to put the sign in English and in French. (laughs) He made them like spray. He made them spray paint it um, um, in French uh, um, for all the different parts of it. (laughs) Whenever you shove a Canadian in that movie, they all say sorry. (laughs) The, The tower. But uh, so that was our solo streams. We played we played as Canada and uh, but what did you you Nystagmus, you did something completely different. What did you do? So I, I, I wanted to play the um, the Civ six challenge league from the week prior, the Persia one uh, when you're playing as Greece uh, as Gorgo. OK, so I so just like it happens usually, I think I thought the game was going pretty good until I hit a dark age and then I got crushed Ugh. like immediately because I. Because I went into a dark age, and then the other the other three Persian civs uh, went into a golden age, so I lost two cities to like loyalty flipping. One of them became a free city, and then they just surrounded my capital and killed me. And it happened pretty quickly too. And I thought it was doing pretty good because I actually got two of the Persian players to actually fight each other. So oh, that's cool, really. Yeah. <laughs> what? So they were fighting each other. I went in. I raised one of his cities. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to crush this guy. And then I forgot to look at the era timer. And then the era ended and I went into a dark age <laughs> and I missed it by like one point. It was, it was a, a bad dark age. Like I would have, I think I would have done okay if I didn't go into that dark age. Cause I wouldn't have lost the, um, the free city. I don't think I would have lost the other city to loyalty. And then because my uh, loyalty pressure from the other places, my capital was like useless. Like it was like plus, you know, like when, when it's really unhappy, it's like plus nine, nine, nine to like make anything. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it did that to me. So I, I didn't, it was basically just, doing nothing for the whole turn thing. So I just gave up. See, I played that challenge too. And I had a much different experience. I, I did really well in that game. I won on like turn 109. I think the trick was to declare war on Persia before they declared war on you because they get bonuses when they declare war on you. Right. So you just need to declare war on them. Even if you're not ready, just do it. Just do it. And then they'll come yeah, to so you. I did. You kill their units, and then um, you go to them. I actually tried to pull Zoe because their settler like, is walking near me. And so I declared war, but as soon as I declared war, they settled the city. And then I so took lame. So lame when that happens. <laughs> so lame. You should have an opportunity to steal that settler. And then I did take over. I took over the city immediately anyway because I, I made a bunch of uh, hoplites. And then I took that city, and then I had another city I settled south of the capital. And then I went and I raised the next city. And one of the because I got the other Persian player to attack them, and then after that I didn't I get the gold golden age timer, and that's what screwed me over. Because as soon as that happened, one my southern city, which was a good production city, went free city. The other one got raised to the ground by the computer because it like uh, it loyal like uh, loyalty flipped, and they didn't want it, I guess. And so, <laughs> and so they just like raised it, and then uh, they just surrounded my capital. So that's what happened to me. So. It was because I, I it's because I'm not used to playing with dramatic ages. I hate I hate dramatic ages. <laughs> you can't do that. Was your favorite game mode? What do you mean you hate dramatic no, ages? No, I thought it was a cool idea. Well, I don't I don't consider Secret Society as a game mode. I I don't consider it Civ anymore unless Secret Society uses a turned on. So it's not Civ anymore. You're you're playing some other game. You're that, ne- that's wow, not Civ. that's bold. That's a bold statement. It's a bold statement. But I just don't like it because. 
um it like some dark ages are like just devastating like <laughs> i lo- i think it's so flavorful i think it's a very uh flavorful way to play Civ. never a dull moment you know like yeah it sucks when you get it and you're like okay you know this is this is it the game is over now but like we did with carl the carl play, and play uh, like two games <laughs> are over you dark age out of existence and then come back oh, and talk yeah. to me. God, i hate that yeah. so much uh, <laughs> it happened to me in the scotland game you remember that yeah scotland uh yeah dude i got into one dark age and every single one of my cities just fell 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 oh so heartbreaking all that work for nothing nothing Nothing. Yeah, I I seem to not do well with the challenges, to be honest. Like I did the Scotland one too, and I got they got they're always like the Vector Cat's like hint attack China, so I did it, and I got every single time I just got my ass handed to me. <laughs> well, you play on Deity, right? On on that challenge, did yeah, you play yeah. Deity for the Greece challenge too? No, Immortal. I decided to go with Immortal. Oh, you didn't go Emperor. You usually go Emperor, right? No, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to do it like a very the highest possible difficulty. That I, does that at least lets me play for a while. Like, even though I lost in that game, I didn't like die like immediately. So <laughs> I just don't want people to watch me. And then like I just they watch me for five minutes, just watch me get crushed like right away. You're so, what are you playing now? Immortal or, or yeah, immortal. Emperor? Immortal. Immortal. Yeah. Immortal's good. Immortal's a it's a stepping stone for sure. Yes, it is. It is significantly more difficult. Um, so it is borderline deity, right? It's the level just I, before it. So. I feel like Emperor to Immortal is the biggest jump. Or King to Emperor might be the big, biggest jump. But like Emperor to Immortal is a big jump. And then Immortal I, to yeah, Deity yeah, is yeah, not yeah. that bad. Yeah, I was playing on Immortal and I felt like I was playing a, a, a Deity game a little bit. Because Emperor, like, I just, like, I, like, there are some games where I just play by myself. And I just stomp on the AI with an Emperor yeah. difficulty. Um, because they just, they can't, like, even on the, on the Immortal. When they declared, when I declared war on Persia, all they did was they kept suiciding their units into my hoplite lines. Oh, That's they do that with they, deity too. Don't worry, that, yeah, that doesn't they, change. They just, I just, I put up a line of, of of hoplites and they just kept dying. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like you had a you had 150 strength higher than me, and now you're not. So <laughs> I did see in your game though that like there were there was a lot of times where you had hoplites not beside each other, like adjacent to each other, but you were still like attacking a city. So like there's little optimizations that you can do, like make sure that you have oh, no. two hoplites all the time. I ended right? up doing that. That's how I was able to take out cities before because then I got a general. So I got a great general. Can't remember which one. And then I got three hoplites together and then you put them right next to the city when it sieges. And because they're all adjacent, like every single one of them, the, the, it's like the walls didn't matter um, when I took the first couple cities. But then I had to split them up because then barbarians were spawning like horse archers and... Uh, horsemen as well all on my southern border and the city state that was there that i was suzov was like useless they were pulling a real herald on me like not oh, killing the barbs. Real herald. um <laughs> and so that's why i had to split them up because i was just building hoplites i was spamming them essentially because i just i wanted that adjacency bonus eventually so after you left i probably that's probably when it started happening when i was like just spamming them and i had i had like six or, or something like that um moving in on the uh on the persian cities I've learned to like hoplites a lot after that game. I, I didn't I remember my opinion on hoplites was they get irrelevant too quickly. But after that game with Persia, I changed really I, my opinion on them changed so fast. They're so good. Plus 10 to adjacent for being adjacent to each other. Plus a general 
I had a, I had Himiko too, so that that probably really helped. But yeah, all of that <laughs> made it so good. They were they were taking down immortals like they were nothing, just like pieces of paper, just like kashaw, watch bam, what you know, like a comic book, just per kerpow, <laughs> yeah. It was like playing three hundred. <laughs> yeah, those hoplites are incredibly good now, and with so after the change, so you you didn't feel the the military policy card plus one combat strength for military policy card uh so i didn't get far enough for me to like to put enough of them in because i only got to all the archie yeah but that even that's a plus three to like you can put two military cards one wild card so that's three plus the plus four that you already have from oligarchy that's plus seven right so like, I didn't, like okay yeah. so i have nothing i had nothing to compare it to right oh. like i don't really play gorgo so like i said like when i had my hoplites with each other with a general with that military policy card with oligarchy i was melting things i think i took i took out all of that persia uh the enemy that was fighting i took out all their army i took out two of their cities i didn't lose a single unit did you recruit any heroes i had hercules hercules is that like the first one? why hercules he was the only one I found at the time. And so I used him like right away just to build districts. So I, I put up my, so here's the thing. I kind of misunderstood what the point of the game was because it's called Thermopylae, right? So when I first started, I was under the impression that he was going to put them around me. And I thought like, and granted, Director Cat can't program the computer what to do. But I thought they were going <laughs> to be super aggressive. He? And so I was putting encampments in the mountain passes. Oh. And so I was trying to make it like Thermopylae, which is I wanted them to come at me so that I can melt their units. So I was like, oh, I got Hercules. This is great. So I could just walk around and just complete all my encampments. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> but I didn't find anyone else. I found Himiko at the end of the game. And then it didn't matter at that point because I was dying. Dead. <laughs> yeah. I was already dead at the time. My first hero was uh, the twins, the the Aztec twins, and I started stealing immortals. Oh man! <laughs> then I had immortals and and hoplites all just attacking Persian city. Oh, it was sick! It was sick. So immortals in the back, hoplites in the front. Woo! I have no Good idea time. why, but the Persia when I was playing, I don't know when you were there. I was playing. They weren't really building immortals. I think I found two of them. Really? Yeah, they were building what were they like building? they were they were building like horsemen and stuff, which is stupid because I was <laughs> I had like hoplites and stuff, right? So like yeah, it's almost like Persia's like oh they're building uh they're building anti cavalry units. You know what we need to do? Just keep throwing cavalry units after cavalry units until they eventually die. <laughs> like they'll get, they'll <laughs> get to their kill bot ratio. Yeah, and they'll turn off. <laughs> they, they pulled the Zap Brannigan. Um, like I said, I was like rolling them until I got to the Dark Age. The Dark Age is what killed me. Just throw units at them until they get tired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Works every time. We'll throw, throw them until the, until the rivers cl uh, clog up with their dead. And then they just like, whatever. Like, it was an interesting challenge. Vector Cat always comes up with like crazy challenges too, but also. Yeah. I'm, really in, cool. I'm enjoying this one right now. Um, the and I, one, right? I, yeah. yeah, the Canadian one. I, I almost wish I'd done the, like, I wasn't, you know, I was not in a position to, to do it, but I almost wish I'd done it now. Uh, but yeah, this, this Canadian one's interesting and I wanted 
to play Canada more anyways, just to try them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you know, it's healthy to learn victory conditions, right? So, yes. So, <laughs> yes. So I'm, I'm learning the culture. You know what? It's, it's not even like I'm understanding it. I still just think it's so dumb. <laughs> I just think culture victory is dumb. <laughs> it's just not my cup of tea. Maybe, maybe if I won it, was able to win it more readily, I'd like it more. You're just being stubborn about it. Once you learn it, it's not that bad. Honestly, really not. the only thing that's annoying about culture victory is the timer that it gives you, right? Like it makes you feel like, yeah, I'm going to win. I'm going to. And then it's like, no, that's a fake number. Not, not when, that's not just, when, that's not just, when PB's uh, using it, when PB's using it, it's, it's, it's an ap- accurate number. Yeah. It just means that like, you know, it doesn't know what the pace you're going at because your pace is constantly changing. So it goes off of the pace you had last turn. And so if you generated a thousand tourism last okay. turn, it's thinking you, I know you I have this the potential before. to generate a thousand tourism every turn. And I made this point before and I'll say it again. And if I don't care if Carl's listening or not, it's like, if you have a timer, right, the timer has to work. Like you can't be like, oh, well, it's because of this. I'm like, well, then don't put the timer in. <laughs> if like under no situation, the timer is actually accurate, then why do you have the timer? <laughs> it is accurate. If it's steady, you know, then they added rock bands in. So that was an, uh, that was an addition to the game, I think, later on. And so that's what broke the timers, like rock bands and have it researching computers, like skyrockets or tourism, stuff like that. It's only afterwards it broke. Or initially, it worked, I think. Don't so you're me. saying that rock bands broke the game? Interesting. Rock bands? I hate rock bands. I think ugh. if there's yeah, one mechanic I really hate, I hate rock bands because they just, they, you know, you, you, you build all these uh, tile improvements for tourism. You're building your theater squares. You're building these um, wonders even, and they take forever to generate tourism, forever, forever, time, turn after turn after turn. And it's like, yeah, that's the point of the culture victory is every victory, it takes a long time, right? And I understand that. Then they introduce these rock bands and like, here's 15,000 tourism, which is one performance. And I'm like, well, that, like, why? Yeah. Like, that defeats the, yeah. I don't it, know. It, I just it, it, it gets, and like, they're expensive, and I find that, for, at least for me, I just have bad luck. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll lose like four rock bands before one finally succeeds. <laughs> Which is hilarious because when you look, when you compare it to the real world, can anyone tell me why rock bands give more tourism than like reasons why people actually go to tourism things? Like, like who goes? That's a good point. Who goes? Yeah, man, I'm gonna go to Europe because a rock band there's there, right? Well, okay. Here's the argument against that, actually. For rock bands, you ha- you as the rock band need to go to foreign territories. So I like as Britain, I need to go to USA as the Beatles and play in the United States, which then they will come to Europe. So I guess they're trying to do the whole British invasion thing, I guess. Right. Like, is that what they're trying to kind like, of, imply? I mean, that's kind of what I was trying to imply. It's, yeah. Like, you know, the, it did generate it did generate like cult- tourism and culture and like um, what I'm trying to think of. Influence. Yeah, they, they they influenced. Yeah, exactly. So what I liked better about monopolies and stuff like that, that kind of brought it back in line is I don't like I still don't like that monopolies make tourism. I think that's weird, but I don't overall. I think the tourism mechanics kind of wonky, to be honest. But the idea when you think about like cultural victory, right? So we talk about the real world, right? Who would have won a cultural victory in the real world? Right. It would be the United States. United States. Right. Yeah. Right. It's because they homogenize culture. Right. It's not just 
like you listen to their music, but you also you buy their products, right? Right. You you're wearing their blue jeans. You're wearing right? their blue jeans. Yeah. Right. So like <laughs> you buy their products, you listen to their music, you watch you watch their their movies and stuff like that. And so yeah, NBA and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a cooler uh, and I don't know, can, like they can think it's a dumb idea or not, but would be if you had like meters you had to fill in cultural columns to win okay. the game. Interesting. Right? Instead of tourism, okay. because really no one goes to the United States for tourism, really. Right. Americans go to other places for tourism. So America homogenizes culture and then they make up the biggest cohort of tourists in the entire planet. China's probably going to overtake them pretty soon, but they're the number like the, the Yanks, they go everywhere, right? They go to Europe. They, they, they're like the tourists that everyone wants to come over, right? To, to spend money in their country. So yeah. I think it would be cooler if you had cultural bars to fill, like when it comes to like um, uh, movies and TV shows, uh, uh, art, art and, and culture. And then you had like monopolies or products and having products that everyone uses or needs to use or something like that. And then having like uh, your music and, and uh, movies be dominant. So you would just be culturally dominant in all those different categories. And then you would win. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. So it's not just like your culture as a big uh, hegemonic thing is dominant over another person's culture. Different aspects could be dominant over other people. So your music and movies can be dominant over everyone else. But they someone else can can make other products. And you can see that in real life, too. Right. So. For example, in the 1990s, when it came to like electronic products, you can make the argument that Japanese culture um, was dominant because a lot of mm-hmm. like the best electronics were made in Japan, and they started a lot of trends that people like followed suit and stuff like that. So they can have like these different categories. They have to dominate like maybe two thirds of them or something like that before you win the game. Hmm. I kind of so, like that idea. So what you're saying is in order. To make culture victory better, they need to make it more complicated than it already <laughs> is. Interesting. No, it's not. It's not. Com- not it's not more complicated. The reason why it's currently complicated is that no one really like the math that goes into like tourism calculation is actually like it. It seems pretty complicated to me because the numbers when you look at it are a little overwhelming, right? Everyone has a different tourism number they have to hit that, that they have to dominate, basically, and it's not really like spelled out what the pathway is, right? Where you look at every other victory condition, it's like basically spelled out for you, right? Space victory, do this thing, then do this thing, then do this thing, then do this thing, and then you win, right? Okay. Um, when it comes yeah. to religious one, convert all the cities, and then you win. When it comes to domination, that's really straightforward, right? All the other victory conditions are basically like, here's the instruction manual to win this part of the game. Um, whereas tourism, it just, it feels like, Okay, there's just some numbers and Here's question mark. Here's the thesis. Here you go. Yeah. Question mark, question mark, question mark, and then you win profit. Um, it's- well, yeah, like if you're saying get rid of tourism and replace it with something else, I'd be down for that. I also with agree like that influence, tourism, right? Yeah, I think, I think influence mm. makes much more sense. Like when you look at previous civs, you know, the culture victory uh, it was about influence and like that line specifically, people are wearing your blue jeans and listening to your music. It, you know, if you think about it, you can take a, a a country over a couple of different ways. And one of them, sure, you could conquer them. But another one is you make them just like you. Right. So that, yeah, like, you Eleanor. know, well, the I mean, you make them just <laughs> like you in that 
your your culture is your way of doing things is the way that they're doing things you know england yeah their claim to the their empire right uh you now have all these parliaments across the planet that's what they did they went and they they brought their culture and that was their main claim to fame right running things their way uh it wasn't just the conquest like there are there are those governments still there are parliaments still out there the English aren't there anymore. They're still using the same basic systems, though, right? Canada, United States, probably a good example, too. Uh, we have a lot in common because we're flooded with American culture. But what I would like also is another aspect that can be for influence could be one of the biggest like cultural influences that England and the United States did as back-to-back hegemons. So England was global hegemonic power for a long time the United States kind of supplanted them in the 20th century is the main language to be used in business, in, in aviation, uh, in, in most places, uh, uh, high up and world diplomacy is in English. Yeah. Like people don't know this, but like all pilots everywhere have to know English. That's just, yeah. that's just the way it is. Um, um, it's like the universal language that they use for aviation communication that could be another like you can cultural victory can have so many different aspects to it. Civ, that you can, yeah, it, it, it Civ is, doesn't even explore language. And it's a great example of the culture and how um, lang- when language is mixed together, uh, that's when the culture is mixed together. But sometimes languages become dominant and it's just and they supplement and they take over the, the existing language just because it's more readily spoken, you know. But then there are. Peoples like the Welsh is a great example who and and Quebec, another great example who like they cling to their language and it's like what unites their culture. Right. Uh, in Wales, you, people speak Welsh and English, not everybody. Right. But in, in Quebec, more people speak like fewer people speak English. Right. That culture keeps them united. That language, sorry, keeps their culture united. And Sim doesn't really touch language at all uh, at like at all. So that I'm curious, maybe if humankind did anything with language, but like language is so important. It's probably the most important development in in uh, human history because it allowed for it allowed for societal learning. So, for example, if you're a hunter gatherer society, you only learn what you learn from birth to when you die. Right. What actually made us allowed to jump leaps and bounds is that we all learn what everything everyone else learned before us right, right? we write it down accumulative in, in knowledge textbooks yeah. and stuff like that so we have societal learning these days which is every step we make the next generation will then get everything and then they add on something so it continues right. to build up right and right. so yeah. language is actually really important for that ability because you you have to be able to record what you've learned from before instead right. of learning and, it and, directly and meaning is important and the more complex language gets the more you know people are able to interact and and discover things right but you need like that that language is our way of of communicating and like english is a great example of like this what a complex language and you know i think what what is it they said you could go back to like i think 400, 1400 AD would be about as far as you can go back where you could still understand English because it's just evolved so much and it assimilates well, other that's languages. That's every language actually. Like yeah. By the year um, by the year 3000 or so 
our language would be indistinguishable would, would be indecipherable to the people living at that time. The words actually fall out of favor and they get switched up. English is that sometimes actually accelerated in English because English is the rules. So English started as a spoken language only, and then it became a written right. language afterwards. Because right. it's a spoken language, it actually incorporates a lot of slang that really don't have to follow the rules of the language written out, right? So you can just say a word, like a sound, basically, and it doesn't have to have a connotation to it. So a lot of languages, like romantic languages, have uh, male and uh, female sounding, right? right. Like, uh, like yeah. that. England, English doesn't have that restriction. And so you can come up with slang words that, which also means that you can have people who speak English from two different parts of the world and they may not understand like what they're actually talking about. Right. <laughs> like, um, like Australians. Yeah. When we're playing Britain. with, when I we're love that about English. <laughs> How many different accents there are now granted. Right. A lot of languages do that too, though. Right. So Italian is another classic example. When you listen to Italian on the TV, when you, when you hear people speak Italian, what you're really what you're really listening to is the Florentine dialect of Italian. So Florence, uh, there was a poet named Dante. He was the one who basically universalized um, Italian. But and in our family, and Zoe and I's family, we're from a southern. Uh, our family's from a southern uh, Italian town. Their dialect sounds nothing like the Florentine dialect. When whenever I've heard my my grandmother speak it and stuff, it doesn't sound like it's Italian. Um, and so other languages have that too, but in English, it accelerates just because the rules of the language are more flexible for that. Also, people always say that English is actually hard to learn. That's not true. English is hard to learn how to write properly because our grammar rules make no sense and there's like no, <laughs> and there's no universality to it. But learning how to speak English, like just pick it up and speak it in day-to-day conversation is actually significantly easier than a lot of other languages. Other languages, if you don't use like the proper connotation, that sentence makes no sense. Chinese. Yeah, Cantonese. You can say the same word. I, I don't have any examples off the top of my head. You can say the same word, but like emphasize a different part of the word and they mean completely different things. Yeah. It's crazy. And so in English, though, even if someone is not a native born English speaker, they can still get their point across. Right. Now, you may be able to tell that they're not a native born English speaker, but you can still communicate with that person. Whereas in a lot of like Mandarin and Cantonese, like you said, yes, if you emphasize words uh, differently and also even other languages like Japanese, and I'm not someone who speaks, but Japanese, the way they, they structure their sentences would be completely alien to someone who's not a native speaker because they, the way that they put the verbs and the nouns in the, in the sentence is completely strange. Like they'll put all the nouns yeah. in the beginning of the sentence and they put all the verbs at the end of the sentence. Right. And so um, it's hard to like, to get around that when you're learning um, differently. It's the reason why learning languages is actually really good for a, a, a something called neuroplasticity because learning a new language forces you out of the box that you put yourself in because now you have to think a different way because the language might be that much different than how you normally think, right? Because the language may make you think differently about how you would communicate the same subject. Right, which is the reason why when you have people um, talking the UN, having a good translator is extremely important because having a wrong translation is easy is is uh, a lot easier to happen than you think. 
And especially when it comes to languages that are very different and have different roots. So English is a dramatic language. Um, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, French, they're all romantic languages. Then you have uh, in Europe, other languages like that are from the Slavic languages. And really, it's super hard to translate Russian into English and have it mean the same thing. Right. The, 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 the words that they use, um, it's, it's very difficult to get the same message across. It's because of that. And that's why um, in a lot of other shows like sci-fi shows, when they talk about meeting aliens, there's like a possibility that we meet aliens and there's absolutely no way you could possibly communicate with them on any meaningful level. Right. I know we went on a huge tangent, not talking about Civ anymore, but no, that was really interesting. And I had no idea. Like, wow. One of my favorite episodes of Star Trek, the uh, Darmok. Yeah. Is all about that. Right. Darmok and Jalar at Tanagra. And it's about how amazing it is that people can even communicate at all. Now, at least like obviously with humanity, we have a common history. So that's, you know, we're all the same species. But yeah, like. We take that for granted that communication is actually really, really hard. And that's probably why we're also terrible at it. Right. <laughs> but it's and, like our entire world is based on communication. And it's the reason why you still need humans to do it, because if language was as easy as an algorithm, it, there wouldn't be a joke about when you Google translate something from English to German to French to Italian and back again, that it completely doesn't make sense anymore when you get <laughs> back to the English translation. Right. And so it, it is like very interesting that's why like i said neuroplasticity is like what people do to uh stave off memory loss as they get older because it's true you don't make more brain cells as you get older however the amount of connections you make between brain cells can always change and so that's the axons and the dendrites so the when they attach when the, the cells communicate with each other those can always be recreated and that's called neuroplasticity and you can force those connections into be made by doing something that you're not familiar with because it's not the same pathways. You actually have to make new pathways in order to communicate it. It's also the reason why it's harder to learn new languages as you get older because little kids have a lot more flexible neuroplasticity than adults do. Yeah, yeah. We, because our brains, uh, we want to reject new information, right? Instinctively. We, you know, you, you tell me that Palm means apple. I'm like, no, apple means apple. I reject that. I reject that you're, and I'm not, I'm not willing to. So we get defensive, I think. Whereas kids, they're like more flowing. There is a movie, one of my favorite sci-fis actually, um, that's all about this. And it goes even beyond the neuroplasticity to like co- comprehension. Um, it was called The Arrival. I don't know if you guys saw The Arrival. Um, yeah. But one of the fundamental components of it is learning this alien language, like this legit alien language. And what made it so fascinating, I, you know, I hope this isn't a, any sort of spoiler. It's been out uh, for like six years. It's, it's been over. out for, yeah, what's the, what's the, if it's been out for Just five years, okay. Um, but so this language to understand arthropod or uh, whatever it was called, uh, squiddy, squiddy, uh, to understand it is to actually fundamentally understand time in a very different way. And essentially, once you learn to speak this language, your mind gets opened up uh, to the fourth dimension, yeah. essentially. So the, the aliens in the movie, they don't experience time linearly. No. Right. They experience uh, they, it. They, yeah. Yeah. They, they came to Earth for because they needed humanity's help in a struggle against another race 3000 years in the future. Uh, but like this is like how they got it started. Uh, and it's just such a fascinating 
um, because there's like 12 ships, they're all over the world. Uh, every government has a different way of going about it. Uh, like the, the Chinese tried to teach it our language by teaching it how to play games, uh, like Go or whatever. It's like if you teach, if you use chess as a means to teach it, they're going to think that everything is a, an opportunity for conflict and, and whatever. Such a fascinating movie. And uh, it's, it's like, for me, it's one of those rewatch movies. And like, I won't give away the big spoiler, but like, it's something that you have to, I think, watch the movie a couple times to realize what's actually going on. Cause you, she, you, you, she keeps the main character, keeps seeing things out of order. And you think she's having flashbacks, but she's not. She's yeah. not having flashbacks. And when you realize she's not having flashbacks, you're like, oh, like when you realize what she's actually doing, she's flashing forward. I watched that movie with Liz and I actually yeah. blurted that out about a quarter of the way through the movie. I realized what was going on. Yeah. Um, I do that sometimes. I, I ruin movies for people. Uh, ruiner. <laughs> yeah, a big ruiner. But yeah, I know a huge tangent, but I always thought that was very, and it's culture victory because I think culture victory is, is something that like, you know, from all the victory conditions, going back to Civ now, this is a Civ podcast, right? Uh, so, right, right, right. Uh, oh. Yeah. What? Um, is that domination victory, straightforward, takeover stuff. So religious victory, pretty straightforward, uh, you know, takeover stuff, right? Same thing. It's a kind of a domination victory in, in another way. Science victory, you know, there's a goal, right? Culture victory, I get it. Like, by definition, like, what is culture, Right. Like what do you like? People will always make like we say that America is culturally hegemonic in the world right now, but then other people will argue that America has no culture, right? Like they'll make that argument stuff. Like culture is subjective by its very nature. Like culture says it, right? And so um, I get that it's hard. Um, it's a hard mechanic to have a victory condition surrounded by, right? So so everything we say is out of love developers about the game and how the tourism mechanic works and everything. It's, just... <laughs> it's, it's constructive criticism. It's okay. <laughs> I, I heard a good joke the other day, or I think it was yesterday, maybe even today. What's the difference between milk and America? What's the difference between milk and America? I don't know, Moy. What is the difference between milk and America? If you leave milk for a hundred years, it develops culture. <laughs> yeah, that was a joke that I heard it from Undersiv and he's from Wales. So, yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. But it at least ties into what you were saying to Stagma. So, <laughs> does he speak Welsh? I have no idea, to be honest with you. He's a Civ streamer. He's a partner Civ streamer. You should you can watch him. He's a CPL, high level CPL player. Undersiv. Uh, so the last thing that we want to uh, mention is our new Patreon. Our Patreon! Guys, we're starting a Patreon. Is, isn't this exciting? We've made it. We're, we're real. Did we? I don't know. <laughs> we don't even have a patron yet. Well, what, what do you mean? <laughs> well, once we, sh- once we share today... The we, we theoretically board. have patrons now, so theoretically, yeah. Uh, yeah, they know about us. People know us. Okay, people know uh, us. We have many leather-bound books. Many of them somewhere yeah. in my room. Fine mahogany. Yeah, my, uh, my furniture smells of rich mahogany. Yeah. So so yeah, we got a Patreon. So now, if you want, you can more directly support the Civ Show. Um. Yeah, and just like any other Patreon, it has different levels and different little perks for each level. 
Um, so definitely go and check that out. Do we uh, attach it to our front page here or is it not there? Well, yet? he's going to, he's in the process of probably uh, doing it. Yeah, right, I'll do right that. Now I'll put it on, speak. on, uh, Twitch in the Twitch chat right now and I'll attach it to the front page and it'll be in the show notes as well if you're on YouTube or if you're watching this or watching this on YouTube or listening to this on Spotify. It'll be all it'll all be there. Patreon's fun. But uh, some examples of some of the perks that you can get if you play for the highest tier, the deity tier, we call it. Uh, you can get a customized postcard Woo! from one of the members of the Civ show every single month. Every month. Those are going to be worth a lot of money. You know, in <laughs> yeah, in, a few, right. in a few hundred years, they're gonna be. Uh, there are they. They might even be autographed, signed. Uh, so, guys, work I on your imagine. work on your alter ego's uh, signature. Okay. Be worth a lot of money. What's oh, 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 like pretty good. Don't I? Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, speaking of language. <laughs> I've never signed moist in my life. I don't even know what that signature is going to look like. Oh, you know what? I have a good idea. Okay, I'll practice it on the weekend. Start practicing, guys. <laughs> Start practicing. Um, but yeah, um, you know, Civ Show, uh, we love it. It's a good, it's a passion. And, um, but we, you know, we're, we're always striving to make it better. And uh, if we had some more resources, we could go to the moon. We could go to the moon and more. Not because these things are easy, but because they are very hard. Um, and yeah, I have a dream, and that dream is uh, there on Patreon. There, I think I got most of the American culture references <laughs> for the last. Uh... <laughs> oh, uh, and the eagle is landed. Count as a col- and does that count as cultural appropriation? Um, I don't think it does because it's American. <laughs> now that might be <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah we have uh, started a, a patron you can go as low as four dollars a month and as high as 50 so uh, every every single tier would help us we're trying to improve the show we're trying to uh, purchase better gear hire some editors uh, heck if we even get to I put as a joke uh, it, as a goal if we make twenty thousand dollars a month we may or may not quit our jobs. So, Nystagmus, a doctor, he would quit. He'd walk away from <laughs> from twenty years of education and crushing student loan debt, <laughs> all of that, you know, because he'd be making less money here on the Civ Show. But uh, yeah, we could. <laughs> <laughs> it makes so much sense. Why would you settle Why? for something with more money when Why you can go for something you? with? money yeah come on guys like gotta use common sense sometimes you know um so yeah join our (laughs) join our patreon uh and or don't we'll we'll keep making the show uh but yeah resources mean uh that we can do more things and doing more things will keep you engaged and entertained and uh it'll evolve as we go to the the point here is engagement we want to engage our community but how do we engage them what order do we go you know we need a a tier system like a like a settler to deity tier you know Mm, yeah yeah. something like that eight different tiers eight different tiers does uh does each tier give you a different color on a on, on the discord we could do that we could have that each tier we, we slightly could different we colors. could definitely we could. do that it yeah. doesn't currently but doesn't. i could make it like that no problem well yeah so the coveted uh what would the uh, 
deity be like purple, the coveted purple, purple heart? Uh, well, we can determine that at a later date. But yeah, that, that's something that we can do for sure. Anyways, we we it's just it's it's glad I'm glad we finally got it uh, together, and uh, now you can yeah you can support in other ways other than just tuning in. So yeah, check it out, guys. Yeah. So anyways, that's it for today, right? I think we're good. So thank you very much, everybody, for joining us today. And uh, Moy's going to tell you about one of our secret weapons to getting your attention. Uh, it involves, uh, I think, pliers, a batter, car battery, and a bird. I'm not sure how it works. Go ahead, Moy. What? <laughs> okay, wait. How do I connect this car battery bird? Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a positive and negative to everything, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Positive and negative to batteries, you know, the cool side is the positive side, the negative side is the negative side. And there's even a positive side to a bird and a negative side to the bird. And the negative Everybody side obviously that. being the pooper. So, like, when you get pooped on, that's, that's pretty negative about birds. But the cool things about birds is that they make cool noises. So, but... The positive things about the birds is that we can name things after birds, like Twitter. We named Twitter after birds. And the positive thing about following us on Twitter is that you get to see the most up-to-date Civ show content and civilization content. So follow us on Twitter. That was pretty good. That, was, that wasn't bad. Yeah, Those that was, are some uh, good took connections us on there. a journey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, were some, there were some leaps in there, some evil, evil, uh, evil can evil leaps, but... Whatever, man. <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> Speaking of evil, uh, Nystagmus, your secret lab that you keep below your house with all those test tubes and experiments, right? You have uh, a couple experiments on the go. Uh, why don't you tell us about one of the more brutal experiments that you're working on right now to evolve science? Go for it. Yes, uh, one of the most brutal experiments is my uh, the next video I'm supposed to make for YouTube, which is now six months late. Yes. Six months uh, late. This so, poor tortured uh, beast. Uh, don't worry uh, different uh, perspectives is late too so you're uh, not alone so uh there's that going on right there it's um uh, the script uh is the script for the video is actually culturing um as we speak on my desk because it has mm. been moved in such a long time unlike america uh, just kidding uh, so um there's that going on it's disintegrating before my eyes it may not uh last very much longer so i better get that script onto a video pretty soon but the other videos you can watch are on our youtube channel um uh definitely can check that out if you ever miss a podcast or a vod or our games on sunday definitely go check that out on youtube they all go up there um and then i make my videos which is the better know leader series you can check that out too raising uh zozo has his raising reviews you can check those out and then moy makes reaction videos um that uh are really good whenever the new patch comes out or the new uh frontier pass comes out uh new parts of it come out just go check that out um, and give us a like, a subscribe, and ring the bell. Ring that bell. I still think one day I'm just not going to say it and see what you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ring that bell. Um, and then, of course, uh, if you're looking for the more intimate connection, you can join us on our Discord. It is the watering hole of the Civ Show community. Always a good pet pick or convo on the go. Uh, even just a great way to meet others in the community that you want to play some games with. Uh, lots of people have been playing, looking for group games. So you can come join us there on Discord. And of course, as always, we now offer you five days of Civ Show fun beginning at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time every Sunday, Sunday, Sunday here at Twitch TV. 
Uh, we'll have our the Civ show. We got what? We got uh, uh, Peppermint uh, Butler. Butler. Peppermint Three Butler. 3v1. 3v1. We're going to kick his ass. Yeah. yeah. Or, or it's going to be embarrassing. Uh, so either way, it'll probably be very embarrassing on Sunday. Uh, and then, of course, you can join the Stagmus for afternoon tea when he's available. I know he's got some uh, things coming up to protect the life of British Columbian citizens. Uh, Monday morning or Monday afternoon, sorry, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then Zozo is back. I have been out of office for like three weeks for various reasons. Uh, but I am back Tuesday mornings for your good morning amenities. Yes. Uh, they're usually 9 or 10 a.m. I'm starting trying to keep it concise. Uh, it's early morning. It's hard to wake up. And then we've got Moy at night on Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And of course, we finish every week. Uh, with the Civ Show podcast here at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time. So you'll be here next week as well. Uh, I don't think there's anything else, boys, is there? It no, was good, by the it, way. Man. Great to be back with the two of you. We've had such a long hiatus uh, where it hasn't, for all sorts of reasons, people haven't been able to make it. Uh, I think this is the first podcast the three of us have done in a bit, right? Because I think last week we were missing the stagmas. What? Right. No, last week we had everybody. Oh, did yeah. we have everybody? You said the same thing last week. Okay, yeah. I did. Like all uh, the place. I lost power one time, then I lost my internet yeah. another time. All these memories, they're all folding into one another. Um, so, whatever. Uh, okay, thanks for coming by, everybody. See you yeah. on Sunday. Peppermint Butler. Sunday. Be there. Sunday, and Sunday. be square. That's so I would say. Goodbye. Goodbye.